But really, 1 Peter chapter 3 is really, is really uh, the section that you really want to look at is verses 8 through 12. Because verses 8 through 12, Peter is allowing us to see, look what he says in verse 10. We'll read it a few times, but he says in verse 10, For him who means to love life and to see good days. I don't think there's any of us that don't want to love life and see good days. And Peter has given us a formula for how to do that how to handle situations that come within your life and my life and how to deal with these things so that we can collectively love life and see good days. Now, I want you to remember what Peter is doing here. Peter is, as we started the study of 1 Peter, he was talking to the group of people who were dispersed from Rome. The Christians were cast out of Rome at that time. And they were scattered all over the area. And they were persecuted. They were persecuted beyond measure. And Peter is telling them, in the midst of your persecution, you are to love life and you're going to see good days. You've got to remember that when you think about it on your own behalf. And you kind of consider your own self in this uh, scenario of loving life and seeing good days. I want you to read with me, please, verses 8 through 12. If you remember, I'm going, to inter- I'm, I'm going to do something I don't normally do with verse 8 because we're not going to go over verse 8. We went over verse 8 two weeks ago, and we kind of studied that part. But remember, Peter began by saying to sum up. In other words, he took all the things that were said in chapters 2 and, and, and the first half of chapter 3, and he kind of wrapped it all up, and he says to sum it up. He said, look, verse 8, let all, let all. It's not a call to just a few of us. It's not a call to just a couple of people. It is a call to every single person who wants to know and love the Lord Jesus Christ with all of their heart. And so he says, to sum it up, read verse 8 now, I'll read it. Let all be harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted, and humble in spirit. Verse 9, not returning evil for evil or insult for insult, but giving a blessing instead. For you were called for the very purpose that you might inherit a blessing. Verse 10, for let him who means to love life and see good days refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking guile. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it for the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and his ears attend to their prayers but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil that's pretty harsh words uh, verse 12 Uh, that's a pretty harsh statement when you think about it the Lord shows favor upon those who uh, do want to do good but he turns his face away from those who who don't what does that mean? Dr. J. Vernon McGee in his commentary had a, a very stern statement about verse 12. And it is mentioned in Psalms 34. Now, I want you to know, verses 8 through 12 is uh, connected to and has much to do with Psalms 34. 
Psalms 34 is David. David feigned madness to get away from his enemies. And in the, in the brink of doing all of that, when it was all done and they left him alone, he ended up praising the Lord for what God had done for him. In Psalms 34, if you ever want to just, if you're feeling kind of down, if, if some, something in this world has got you kind of upset, I would encourage you to get alone and read Psalm 34 from time to time. It's such a precious word. We're going to read through it today in the service. So Psalm 34 has much to do with 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 through 12. They are a cross-reference to one another. And Peter is speaking, remind yourself over and over again, to people who have been through persecution, trials, difficulties. And he is saying, I want you to love life and I want you to see good days. And he tells us how. And it's kind of simple when you think about it, but in, in some ways it's not. So I just read it. Let me pray and let's, let's see what, what it has to say. Please, Father, would you uh, open up our eyes so that we would behold wonderful things that come from your law, the reading of your word. Father, your Bible is everything to us at this church. It is the very word of word that gives us life itself. And so I pray, Father, for us to understand what you want to say to each heart here, that you'd move me aside. I, I don't want to interfere, Father, with anything that you want to say or do with any of us. I, I pray you'll bless us. I thank you, Father, from the very depth of my soul for uh, Roger and Alina, for their two wonderful children, for little Nicholas Allen and Sydney Marie. Father, bless those kids. And bless the parents, grandparents, I should say, Roger and Kathy and the godparents, Brandon and Janie, and also all of the friends and family who came be a support to them at this time. Uh, thank you, Father. In Jesus' precious name, amen. There are four basic thoughts in verses 8 through 12. Let me tell you what they are. Peter is trying to teach everyone that will listen to him about living and loving life and about seeing good days. Remember now, even in the midst of trouble and suffering... We are all to experience this love of life and this seeing good days by having four things. One, verse 8, having the right attitude. Verse 9, having the right response to what comes our way. Verses 10 and 11, having the right standard that we live by. And verse 12, having the right incentive. Let's take a look at each one. Peter's given us a how-to on these. First and foremost is having the right attitude. That's verse 8. Sum it up, he says, I want all of you, all of you, to be harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted, and humble in spirit. Now, as I said to you, we studied that two weeks ago, so we're not going to kind of force it on you again. I'm sure you all remember what those words meant and how it was all about unity and, and, and being bonded together in the love of God. Next, Peter goes to verse 9, and he instructs us concerning our right response. Look what he says in verse 9. I don't want you, he says, to return evil for evil or insult for insult. Rather, he says, I want you to give a blessing instead. 
For you were called for this very purpose, so that you might inherit a blessing. And so what we see here is there is a call upon our lives as believers in Jesus Christ. And that is to, to give forth blessings instead of evil for evil and insult for insult. Now, I want you to know that, that doesn't come easy for some. For me, not so much. Not very easy. I was an angry kid. I was raised in, in a suburb of Detroit, Highland Park, kind of an inner city kind of an atmosphere. I, w- I was an athlete. That's what I was. And I loved playing sports. That's what I did. I loved it. And, and, and I had an edge. I always had an edge. I wanted to be as good as I could possibly be. And so I, was, I told you the story before. This is just a, a glimpse of, of, the, of the, the anger that used to boil inside of my innermost being. One kid, uh, we were going to play a softball game against a, a rival across the community in Highland Park, Detroit area. And so I, uh, one of the kids gave me a hard time, and I got really angry at him. And I, I whatever I did, I did. And uh, the coach saw me do it and says, John, where are you? are not going on this trip. And I said, oh, I'm your best player. I'm going. No, no, you're not going. Now, I'm just a kid. I'm just a grade school kid. He said, you're not going. And the guy that I, that I teased laughed at me. You guys know what I did. As soon as that bus left, right in front of the YMCA, I broke a Coke bottle and I cut up the tires. I knew where his bike was, and I cut up the tires on his bike. I was really angry I, and also stupid. Yeah, that's another thing. I was uh, stupid, too. And that hasn't left me either uh, because everybody saw me do it. And uh, the, the leaders of the Y called my father, which was not very <laughs> That wasn't cool because my dad, boy, he, he didn't like me not doing right. And, uh, and then they called the police. And so I had to go down. My father had to take me to the police department. And uh, my dad had me tell the policeman. He said, tell, uh, tell him, son, what you did. Uh, I said, oh, Dad, no. He says, you tell him what you did. So I told him the whole story, and, and my dad said, I'm going to make him work. That He'll pay for new tires. He'll buy that boy new tires for his bike. In the meantime, if, if it takes him a while, he can use his bike. My son can walk. That boy will have a bike. The police officer says, well, it looks like your son's in good hands. And my dad says, you mean you don't want to put him in jail? <laughs> Which I looked at my father like, oh, are you kidding and the officer said, no, I think he'll be fine with you. I had that anger in me all the way through. It was an edge that I had when I played sports. I, I played with it. Uh, I could tell you many more stories. Not very pleasant, but more stories that I did. And so when Peter instructs us to not return evil for evil, verse 9 again, and not return insult for insult, but rather give out a blessing instead, that now as a believer in Jesus Christ, I have been, you have been, we have been called for that very purpose. To give out blessings instead of curses or, or evil or insults. So that we might inherit a blessing. The godly approach to life. Loving it. And having good days before us. Incorporates not only the right attitude of being harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted humble in spirit, but also not to return evil for evil or insult for insult. By the way, when it says do not return, that do not return in the Greek language, the words are M-E-A-P-O-D-I-D-O-N-T-E-S. It is a strong command. 
It's not a suggestion. It is a strong command saying stop returning any evil or any insult right away. It's, it's, it's a command that says you are to take care of this immediately. If it's a pattern in your life, then you ought to stop it immediately. Let me tell you why. I bet you know why. I'm going to stop for a moment. I'm going to let you think. Why should you not hand out evil for evil or insult for insult? You don't have to answer because you might be wrong and I don't want to embarrass anybody. Just think about it. Why? Who's your advocate? God Almighty. Listen to what the Bible says about that. Old Testament as well as New reminds us that God is the one who is in control. In Leviticus, I bet it's been a long time since you've read the book of Leviticus. The 19th chapter, the 18th verse says this, You shall not take vengeance nor bear any grudge against the sons of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord, the Bible says. Leviticus 19.18, another Old Testament. We could have chosen a number of places in the Bible. In the book of Proverbs, we see that the Lord will protect us. In Proverbs 20.22, it says, Do not say you will repay evil for evil, but wait on the Lord. He will save you. There's no need for you to take out vengeance. There's no need for you and me to try to avenge someone for hurting us. God will protect and save us. New Testament. Paul, in Romans chapter 12, verse 19, says, Never, Paul writes, Never take your own revenge, beloved Leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. And so the reason you and I must not retaliate, it's because we should leave room for God to do what God wants to do in the life of that person. And only God knows what's best for them, not us. We're to give out blessings instead by the way, in verse 9, two words, evil and insult in the Greek, K-A-K-O-S, evil in the Greek, L-O-I-D-O-R-I-A for insults in the, in the Greek in, in verse 9. It is speaking and doing evil against someone. These words are found rooted in the word, one word, revile. Don't be, don't revile anyone. You see, that should not be a part of our lives to, in, to do evil or to give insults or to revile anyone because we are to grow in the trust and in, in, in the obedience of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Now, look across the page. You're in 1 Peter chapter 3. Look at 1 Peter chapter 2. Do you remember what our Lord did? Look at chapter 2 and look at verse 23. Jesus taught very clearly, even in the midst of his trial and his crucifixion, it said, while being reviled, verse 23 of chapter 2, while being reviled, Jesus did not revile in return while suffering. What did he do? He uttered no threats, but kept entrusting himself to him, meaning God the Father, who will judge righteously. So you don't know, and I don't know, we don't know how and what God's going to do in the life of the person that's casting evil against us or insults. We'll let him to do with them as they 
He so wishes we're simply to pour out blessings instead. Paul, my hero, teaches in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 12. He says this. I think it's really succinct. It really gets right to the point. Paul says, when you are reviled, bless. And when you are persecuted, endure. That's Paul's advice. I told you it's not easy. It's easy to read. It's easy to comprehend. But how do you live that out? It's to be conformed into the image of our Lord. It's to, to understand what's written in here so that you and I, the more and more we get to know and understand who Jesus Christ is in our lives, the more and more we become conformed into His image. The more and more we'll start to act like Him instead of not acting like Him. That's why I suggest go sit next to Joe if you ever want to get blessed. Sit next to somebody who knows and loves the Lord. Do that. So Peter teaches in verse 9, don't return evil for evil. Don't return insult for insult. Give a blessing instead. You've been called for that reason, that purpose. So we learn in verses 8 and 9, this is to be, we are to have the right attitude, and we are also to have the right response. That's followed by verses 10 and 11. What's our right standard? What's our standard? It says in verse 10, the one who desires life. Remember, it says to love life and to see good days. The one who desires life to love and to see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Verse 11, a person must turn away from evil and do good. A person must seek peace and pursue it. By the way, pursuing it and seeking is, the, is a common theme in this whole idea of becoming conformed into the image of God so that we don't cast evil for evil and insult to insult, but rather bless. We're to turn away from it. We're to do good instead. We're to seek after peace and pursue it with all of our hearts. It's a lesson that Peter gives. My guess is that every single one of us, you and me alike, all of us want to love life. All of us want to see good days. But unfortunately, there are a lot of people, believers included, who are not enjoying life. Difficulties have got us down. Not living the life to its fullest and not getting all that we should out of life. Peter says through the Word of God, if you really want to live life to the fullest, here's the formula. Refrain, verse 10. Refrain from speaking evil and deceit against others. Seek after peace and pursue it all the days of your life. It's a way of life. Talking about our tongues, James did a great job on it. James is a book just before First Peter. If you want, if, you're in, if you have your Bible, take a look at. Um, I was going to say it's going to be no, it's not going to be on the board. So it's James chapter three, just a couple of pages to your left. James teaches very clearly that we are to be careful what we say and to whom we say it. He says the tongue, listen to this, verse 6 of James chapter 3. He says the tongue is a fire. The very world of iniquity, meaning sin. The tongue is set among our members, now watch, at that which, note, defiles the entire body. 
The tongue, when it has its way, can defile the whole body, all of us. Be careful what you say and how you do it. Look, it says, after it says it defiles the entire body, it goes on to say, and it sets on fire the course of our lives. Sets on fire the course of our lives. In verses 10 through 12, Peter is quoting out of Psalm 34. Now I want to ask you a favor. I want you to hold your place here in 1 Peter 3, and I want you to turn back into the Old Testament. Right in the middle of the Bible is the book of Psalms. It's there's a lot of chapters, so you'll, you'll be able to find Psalms, all right? I want you to find Psalms 34, please. It's in the middle of the Old Testament. The reason I want you to find Psalms 34 is I want to read Psalm 34 to you. And I want to make some quotes and some statements out of it. But I basically want 30, Psalm 34 to speak for itself into your heart. I want you to listen to what David reasoned. In my Bible, I have an old, uh, old New American Standard and it's uh, called the Open Bible. And, and it, the footnote is that the, this is a psalm of David, it is said. It is when he feigned madness before Ambilimelech, or whatever his name is, and, and drove him away, and, and he departed. David now is about to praise God for his good fortune. But I want you to note who, Dave, who David feels did this for him. Watch what, how it starts off. David says in verse 1, I want to talk about that just for a little bit. I will bless the Lord how often? How often? Come on, tell me. At all time, always. I will bless the Lord at all time. You know, going to church is not a Sunday to Sunday thing. Loving the Lord and living for the Lord is a daily basis in your life. It is an ongoing adventure. And David says, I am going to bless the Lord all the time. Note what else he says. His praise shall continually, continually be in my mouth. Remember I told you the, the, uh, the theme of this, ongoing theme is to pursue after godliness. That's what David's saying. I'm going to bless the Lord all the time and His praise is going to continually be in my mouth. Verse 2, My soul will make its boast in the Lord. The humble will hear it and rejoice. He says in verse 3, Magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt His name together. (laughs) Don't you want to meet David one day in heaven? I mean, I really want to look at this guy. I got a lot of people I want to see in heaven. I'm not sure I want to talk with them because I don't. I don't. I, I'm, I'd be intimidated. I'd be sitting there. I'd be, hi, Paul. Hi, Paul. But I'd, I can't wait to see what they look like. Let's magnify the Lord together. Let's exalt His name together. Verse four. I sought the Lord. He answered me, and He delivered me from all my fears. I'm telling you, if you ever want to read something when you're going through difficulties. Read Psalm 34 once in a while. Get alone and talk to the Lord when you read it. Verse 5, they looked to Him, meaning to God, and were radiant, and their faces will never be ashamed. This poor man, David writes, cried out, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord, David wrote, encamps around those who fear Him, who fear God meaning not fear, scared of him, fear, revere him, worship and love him. 
and He will rescue them. Verse 8, Taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed is the person who takes refuge in the Lord. Verse 9, O fear the Lord, you His saints. For those who fear Him, there is no want. Gosh, is this, it's either true or it's not. David's, David's just throwing out his blessings towards us that God has done in his life. I love verse 10. The young lions do lack. They suffer hunger. But they who seek the Lord... Remember I told you it's a theme. Seeking the Lord. Pursuing after the Lord. Those who seek the Lord shall not be in want of any good thing. Now, if you ever underline anything in your Bible, I would encourage you to underline verse 10 of Psalms 34. Those who seek the Lord shall not be in want of any good thing. Now you've got to learn about what is good and what is not good as far as the Bible is concerned. A lot of times what you think is good, the Bible doesn't say is necessarily that good. When it talks about good things, it talks about the good things of our Lord. Verse 11, come you children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. That's the respect, the love, the honor of God. Now, verses 12 and 13 here in, in Psalm 34 are taken out of 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 10. Listen to what it says in verse 12. Who is the man who desires life and loves length of days that he may see good? That's exactly what he was saying in verse 10. Well then, he says in verse 13, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. It's simple. It's to live and to pursue peace and a good life before God. And then verse 14 is, is a copy of what in 1 Peter chapter 3 is verse 11. Depart from evil, do good, seek peace and pursue it. It's an ongoing theme this idea of understanding and loving the Lord and having a, a life that is full of love and full of seeking good days is a pursuit that you and I will do on a daily basis. It doesn't come to say just because we hear this message from our Lord that we can walk out of here and we got it now. We don't have to worry anymore. No, tomorrow you'll have to practice the same things that you're preaching or listening to or, or trying to understand today. And you'll have to do it the day after that and the day after that and the day after that. It's an ongoing process in your life until finally you, you get it. You get it. Look at me. I don't cut anybody's tires up anymore. I've come a long way. <laughs> I love it. I love it. She gave me a hand. She gave me a hand. That's a good thing. I love that. Thank you for that. There's four commands in verse 14. Depart from evil, do good, seek peace, and pursue after it. In other words, make this a way of your life. And now, verses 15 and 16 are a takeoff from, from verse 12 in 1 Peter 3. Remember, the eyes of the Lord are towards the righteous. His ears are open to your cry. But, verse 16, the face of the Lord is against evildoers to cut off the memory of them from the land. That's harsh words, folks. That's harsh words. Cut off the memory. Let me finish reading this, this uh, particular chapter, uh, Psalms 34, and let's get in and close this all up as we get back to 
1 Peter chapter 3. Listen to verses 17 to 22. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears. He delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted. He'll save those who are crushed in spirit. I tell you, it's a great psalm to read when you're not feeling, you feel like everything, everything seems to be going wrong. Many are the affliction of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Remember, God wants to deliver you and me, but He will do it in His perfect timing for us. Not our timetable. His. I believe verse 20 is a a reference to the Savior upon the cross. He keeps all His bones. Not one of them is broken. Verse 21, Evil shall slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be condemned. Verse 22, we'll show it and we close. The Lord redeems the soul of His servants, and none of those who take refuge in Him will be condemned. What a great, great statement. I want you to listen. Turn back to 1 Peter chapter 3. Let's close. I want you to listen to what Dr. J. Vernon McGee writes about verse 12. It's tough words. I'll grant you it's tough words. We've got to put it, bring it into some sort of perspective, but I... You need to hear what a real, real, real man of God like Dr. J. Vernon McGee says about verse 12. Let me read verse 12 before I read what Dr. McGee says. Verse 12 says, The eyes of the Lord are towards the righteous. His ears attend to their prayers, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Dr. McGee writes these tough words about verse 12 in his commentary. He says, many people today have the idea that an old retrobate, in other words, someone who's just care less about God or church or anything like that. Many people today, he says, have the idea that an old retrobate can live any kind of life and then come to God in prayer when they are in trouble and expect God to hear and answer them. And then he uses, as the movies and the books, novels tell it, the old retrobate comes home, finds his little girl sick and in the hospital. So he gets down on his knees and calls upon God to raise her up. So Dr. McGee says, how sentimental, he wrote. But may I say to you this very plainly, Dr. McGee writes, this is nonsense. It's absolutely unscriptural. He further writes, let that old retrobate get right with God first. And then God will hear and answer his prayers. Look, at this is my thoughts. It's not that someone who doesn't come to church and doesn't have any relationship with God can't pray for something and see something good happen. God is a gracious and loving God. And there's no telling what God will or will not do. But don't, Dr. McGee writes, don't expect to not have a relationship with God. Have things go fairly smoothly in your life. And then think, well, why do I need the, why do I need the Savior? Everything seems to be fine. How sentimental, he says. I'm going to repeat. May I say to you very plainly, he writes, it's nonsense. It's absolutely unscriptural. It's a false idea, he says, to think that you can call on God under any circumstances, whether you are or whether you are not a child of His. My friend, Dr. McGee closes, God has not promised to hear the prayers of those who are not His own, but He hears ours, those of us who know and love Him. That's tough words, I think. It's what David wrote in the the 34th Psalm. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous. His ears are open to their cry. 
But the face of the Lord is against evildoers. He'll cut off the memory of them from the earth. Look, if, if you're here this morning and you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, listen to these words. Don't judge God. Listen to Him. He's calling out for you to come to know and to trust in Him. It's a fallacy to believe that God hears the cry of of anyone without the first cry of salvation. Come to Christ. Let me tell you something to close this off. Verses 8 through 12, the primary issue is not the judgment of, of, of an, an unsaved person. That is a throw-in from verse 12. No, the reason for verses 8 through 12 is to show God's gracious care for His own people. How much He loves you and me. You and me who have trusted in Him. Can you put on the board again Psalms 34:22? I like that. The Lord redeems the soul of His servants. And none of those who take refuge in Him will be condemned. You and I are to live like children of His. We're to love life. We're to see good days. And the way we do it is by having the right attitude. By having the right response to those that come against us with evil or insults. To have a right standard. To really know and to love the Lord. And have the correct incentive. Why are you alive? What are you living for right now? It's a great place in Scripture to me. It's very kind of vanilla-ish. You know, it's not one of those hardcore type of messages. But it's a great place to understand. There'll be people up here that want to pray with you uh, after the service is over if you want prayer for anything. If you want to know more about how do I come to Christ, what does that mean? We'd like to pray for you about that. If there's a, someone in your family who's not well or you're not feeling well, we'd love to pray for that or a job or whatever it is. These people that will come up here and stand in the front of the church on this side of the church will love to pray with you if you would like to have any prayer done. Now let's close in prayer. Five minutes early. Not bad, huh? I don't know. That was stupid of me to say. Father, please forgive me. That's really stupid. I pray that you will bless us as we go from here. What a beautiful, sunny day you've given us. Southern California, Father, it's uh, quite a place. I pray your blessings upon uh, um, the family that we've just dedicated the children to, Father, uh, for Nicholas and uh, uh, Sydney. Father, those two beautiful, beautiful children. Father, may we all have an impact in their life if, if you so desire Lord, thank you for their mom and dad, for the grandparents, and for the godparents, and for the family and friends. For the rest of us here at this church, Father, uh, thank you. Thank you for uh, the privilege of being able to worship you like this on a Sunday morning. We ask that you'll bless us all, Father. In Jesus' precious name, amen. May I tell you before you leave, I love you with all my heart.